So last week, do you know, remember the question? How many of you were here last week? You remember what the question was? Tell me. Somebody tell me what it was. Yeah, what are you waiting on or what are you waiting for? All right? So what are you waiting for? Well, this today, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you my, my thoughts about love. And it comes around this idea of, of who are you rooting for? Who are you rooting for? Now, interestingly enough, I saw all these people come in this morning with their chief stuff on. We saw a San Francisco 49ers jacket. God bless that man. Um, we saw a San Francisco Giants. Uh, I don't know. What is the deal with the coast? I mean, it's warmer out there. I don't know. Um, hoodie. Uh, we saw, um, saw some other teams, just different things. And so it's funny that just today we're going we're to look at this idea. Who are you rooting for? Well, I'm going to share a passage of scripture with you that we're going to kind of set up our time together. And if you'll look in your Bible, take out your Bible and look at Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. So this is a passage of scripture where Jesus is in a discussion with some religious leaders of the day. One of them is a, is a scribe who comes to him and asks him this question. So Mark chapter 12, if you have that, look at verse 28. Verse 28. And so I was telling my, my wife this morning, I said, I'm, wearing, I'm not just wearing this hoodie because I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm not just wearing this hoodie because it's comfortable and it's cold outside. It has a purpose. And she's like, well, between 1030 and 1130, I'm rooting for Jesus. So I was like, oh, so make me feel guilty. I said, can I root for Jesus in a Chiefs hoodie? Amen, right? Yeah. Some of you are hoping that's true. Like, so I can only wear a suit and tie. That's how everybody knows I'm rooting for Jesus. We don't live in that uh, culture anymore, at least not in this church. Um, some churches are still pretty traditional when it comes to the dress, but we're pretty casual. I think it's more of a heart, right? It's a heart issue. But let's take a look at this. So one of the scribes approached Jesus when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well. And so he asked Jesus this question, which command is the most important of all? And so he's probably, he's probably thinking about the ten, right? The big ten. The ten commandments. Which of the ten commandments do you think is the most important commandment of all? And so you could wrestle with that a little bit. There's lots of choices, you know. We could, you could pick, pick everyone that you pick is going to be a good one because they came from God. So Jesus answered them. Jesus says, the most important is this. And he quotes them a passage out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is called the Great Shema of Israel. He quotes them scripture, which I think is pretty cool because Jesus obviously, he knows scripture. He is the word of God in the flesh. And he says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one and there is no one else except him. I like how this guy is telling Jesus that he's right. Like Jesus needed to hear those words. Other than the fact he probably just needed to make sure this guy really understood what it was that he said. And it says... And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. 
is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. To love God with everything that you have and to love others the way you love yourself is better than anything you can do for him. It's better than you showing up at church this morning, which, by the way, thank you for coming. It's it's better than whatever you're going to put in the offering basket as you leave today, which, by the way, thank you for giving. But it's the love that you have for him, the love you have for others that supersedes all that. That's the best thing that you can do for him. Does that make sense? Okay, can you agree with me on that? Okay. And so, he says, When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And then no one dared to question Jesus any longer. All right, so we picked out this video. I was talking about this last week. I was talking about the Bible project and these videos that explain the words out of Scripture and the theme of a particular thing. And we're talking about love today. So I want you to get a better understanding of what, what, what is this love that Jesus is talking about in this passage of Scripture. Because the, the word that he's using is the same for, the, for God as it is for each other. And so I want, you to, I want you to understand this. So Powell, do me a favor. Jump up there and see that, that light switch on your left-hand side. Push the bottom button. The very bottom one. So if you've heard of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this, actually, is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's going to feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day was a cousin language of Hebrew that is Aramaic in which the word for love is rachma. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. 
Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love. Amen. Yeah, you can go ahead and push the... Uh the third one, I think. Actually, this is kind of comfortable, isn't it? Because uh, then it gets really dark and then you wouldn't be able to see. So what do we learn from this video? Who was Jesus rooting for? Like, think about it. Think about it. When you're, like, when you're thinking about your favorite team, when you are getting ready for the big game, which, by the way, I guess there's a big game going on this afternoon. Uh, is my Patriot fan here? Yeah, there he is. Keep an eye on that guy right there. <laughs> so you're getting ready for the big game. You've got you to you represent, right? You've got to put on your stuff. Um, You've got to put on your lucky socks because you're getting ready for the game. You've got to get the food ready. Whatever it is, you, you're preparing yourself to demonstrate your affection or your um, dedication, if you will, to your team. So who was Jesus or who is Jesus rooting for? Like, wouldn't it be cool if you saw Jesus and he had a t-shirt with a picture of you on it? Like he's rooting for you, like he's supporting you, like he loves you, he's cheering you on today. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Like to know that the, the creator of the universe is actually on your side, he's on your team, like he is there with you. He's clapping for you and he's spurring you on. That's the kind of love that we're talking about. Jesus Rooted for the sinner. 
He rooted for you. He rooted for me. Jesus rooted for the unwanted, the unclean, the underdog, right? The, the helpless and the harassed. That's who Jesus rooted for. I love where it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, okay, so to see the crowds are those who are disconnected, if you will. There are crowds here in Platte County, in Platte City. There are, the crowd, there are those who are not connected, that are not in a church today. They're probably at home getting ready for the game. <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're just not thinking about it. Or maybe they have thought about it, but they just don't maybe feel like they're welcome here. They don't feel like anybody wants them on the team, so they're just, like, just going to stay, uh, stay at home or whatever it is. Or they could care completely less about anything of, that has to do with the Lord. It's like they're the crowds. And it says when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And you heard me talk about this before. It's phlagnozomai. It's the, it's the deep-seated, gut-level, wrenching love for these people. Like it's different than your love for pizza. It is different than your love for the Chiefs. It is even different than Josh's love for the Patriots. It's deeper. Jesus says he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. There is... Not much worse than a sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. And they're going to get in trouble. They're going to get hurt. They're going to get sick. And there's not going to be anybody there to care for them. Yesterday, I was driving um, home from the grocery store after the Day of Hope. Which, by the way, uh, Linda said a little bit about it. The Day of Hope was yesterday. We had... Tons of people come through and they got all kinds of just, we just demonstrated the love of Jesus in practical ways to people all day yesterday. Free haircuts, food, coats, just joy and hope. They got hope. And on my way home, I, was, I stopped and I saw at the grocery, by the grocery, I saw at the, the car wash there, Brady Rogers was there. Which, by the way, Brady Rogers, he's another pastor here at, here at the church. Brady is at the hospital right now visiting uh, Tony Neeland's mom, who just had emergency surgery this morning. And Tony Neeland, it's his 50th birthday today. It's not a great birthday for him. He doesn't feel good. His mom's had emergency surgery. Now he's at the hospital with her. And so uh, let's just pray right now. Father, we just pray for Tony's mom. We pray that she would be healed in the name of Jesus. We pray for Tony that he would feel better today. I pray for Tony that there will be some kind of celebration today for his 50th birthday. God, would you bless him today. Tony's a huge Chiefs fan, so I'm going out on the limb. God, give us a victory for Tony, all right? But, Lord, more than that, would you heal his mom? Would you lift her up out of that hospital bed, help her to, to, to walk out of there healthy? Lord, we pray for Brady as he's there ministering to them right now in the name of Jesus. But that wasn't really the reason why I wanted to bring up Brady. Brady, I saw him, and he, we got to talking, and he was talking about uh, when he was young, his dad would send him out to go check on the cows. And he said, well, how do I know which ones are sick? He says, when their animals are sick, they will isolate themselves away from the other animals. And then you'll know those are the ones you need to go to. It was such an interesting thought because in, in, our, in our existence here at the church or in just the body of Christ or whatever, if you start seeing someone isolate themselves away from the body of Christ, 
you need to check on them. You need to, to, you need to call them. You need to send them a text message. You need to go by their house, be obnoxious, knock on their door, make, and don't leave till they open it. You know, and, and you need to make sure they're okay. Because there could be a whole number of reasons why they're not doing all right. And it could just be that they're getting ready for the game. Or it could be that they have had a loss in their life we know nothing about. And if we just go and be Jesus to them, that is just one practical way of us showing this kind of agape love. And this is what Jesus did when he was on earth. And so he's asking us this morning, who are you rooting for? I'm going to give you some examples of things we should root for, things that we should love and support and encourage and be all in. Listen, we should be as crazy about this as we are about our teams. We should be as crazy about this as we are about our family and about our work and about our hobbies or whatever it is. I, I am, I'm imploring you this morning to be crazy, be a fanatic. <laughs> Listen to this. This is, this is Psalm 96. This comes out of the, the message translation of the Bible, because I just love the way that it reads. It is Psalm 96. This, this is the God that we should be rooting for and the reason why we should be rooting for him. Listen to this. Sing God a brand new song, it says. Earth and everyone in it, sing. Sing to God. Worship to God. Shout the news of his victory from sea to sea. Oh, man, if the Chiefs win today, we're going to be talking about it, man. I'm going to be texting Josh. Sorry, bro, you know, tears, little tear emoji, whatever. But if we lose, he's going to be doing the same thing to me, I promise. It says, take the news of his glory to the lost. The news of his wonders to one and all. For God is great and worthy of a thousand hallelujahs. His terrible beauty makes the gods, the other little g gods, look cheap. Pagan gods are mere tatters and rags compared to him. God made the heavens Royal splendor radiates from him. A powerful beauty sets him apart. Bravo, God, bravo. Everyone join in the great shout. Encore! And all before the beauty and all before the might. Bring gifts and celebrate. Bow before the beauty of God. Then to your knees, everyone, worship. Get out the message. Here's the message. God rules. That's what we want to say about our team, right? They rule. They're number one. God is number one. He put the world on a firm foundation. He treats everyone fair and square. Let's hear it from the sky with earth joining in. A huge round of applause from sea. Let wilderness turn cartwheels. Animals come dance. Put every tree of the forest in the choir. An extravaganza before God as he comes. As he comes to set everything right on earth. Set everything right it says, treat everyone fair. You should clap for that. But you're not. Why? Yeah. And if that's all the better they're clapping for this game today, we're in trouble. Because they need us. We're the 12th man, right? They need the crowd. People have spent a lot of money. They're going to Foxborough to be there. To root their team on to victory. It'll be a small, mighty, no, 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 no. It just won't be a lot. But there'll be some. An extravaganza before God as he comes, as we celebrate the advent, the coming of 
the arrival of Jesus here on earth, bringing his love, his agape love to all of us. As he comes to set everything right on earth, and then it's like, it's, then he gives it to us. You set everything right. You treat everyone fair. You love like that. We spent several weeks before this series talking about the names and attributes of God. We talked about his faithfulness, his provision, his righteousness. And we spoke about the healing that comes in the name of Jesus. That's a reason. It's a reason to cheer. And it leads us to who else should we be rooting for? We should be rooting for each other. Do you hear that? You should be rooting for one another. I love that, right? Romans 12, 9 through 10, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. It really means let love be sincere. Let it be real, not just lip service. Let your actions match your words. Detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, outdo one another in showing honor. I will share this passage of scripture with uh, couples in their, during their wedding. I'll tell them to, to honor one another above themselves, like outdo one another, put on the servant's towel, serve one another. And that's who we are to be as the body of Christ. This is what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 through 21. It says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates, which literally means to work against his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must, right? Let me say that again. The one who loves God must also unselfishly Love his brother and sister. Ladies and gentlemen, it's talking about the church. Yeah, obviously you should love your brother and sister and your family. You should love your spouse. We'll talk about that in a little bit too. But it's talking about the church. When you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, it's not talking about married couples. It's talking about brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you ever read that, think about it. This is the way I'm supposed to love my church. I'm supposed to root for my church. I'm supposed to root for the people that are sitting with me in the crowd. Some of you need to sit a little closer together. You know, hey, packed on top of one another at the Chiefs game. Before the game's over, you're best friends with the dude behind you that keeps high-fiving you every time they get a first down. It's probably because he's drunk, but you know, whatever. You just, you just feel the love. It's the reason why my wife won't go back to the Chiefs game. Is it's too much love, all right? Too much of that kind of love. But there can't be that too much love here in this room. If that doesn't set the church apart, I don't know what else will. This is how we have come to know love. This is what it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Here's how we have come to know this kind of love. He, Jesus, laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That means be inconvenienced by them sometimes. It means instead of coming to church, you go to the hospital and sit with them. It's not comfortable at the hospital. Coffee's lousy. 
at least there in the waiting room. <laughs> if anyone has this world's goods, all right, and listen, we all live in, a, in the culture in America where we all have our goods, we all have our stuff, and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds, okay, listen to this, here's this word, compassion from him, splagnazomai, you have this compassion, this deep-seated concern, but if you withhold it from him, how does God's love reside in you? How can you say? Oh yeah, I love, we, we want to say we love God because we want the benefits of that in eternity. We want to know that we're going to go to heaven when we die. Like, I'm all for that. We want to say that we love our team until they lose. <laughs> if we're those kind of fans. How does God's love reside in him, it says. Little children, I love how it addresses the church. Okay, little kids, children, listen to me. All right, I'm going to grab you by the face. I'm going to like, look me in the eye, Mr. Colburn. Look me in the eye, because I can only see you, because bright, bright, I can't see the rest of the people. Let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Tell my wife I love her, but I better show my wife that I love her. She might not be convinced. Hebrews 10, 24 says, it we're to spur one another on to love and good deeds, right? We're to cheer one another on. We're rooting for one another. And here's the way we can do that real quickly. We can pray together. That spurs us on. We pray with one another. That's, that's just something we owe one another we actually, Scripture says you owe one another a debt of love. That's the only thing you owe each other is to love. And so you pray together. Last night when I saw Brady, we talked about that. The last thing we did is we prayed for each other. Brady prayed for me. Talk about encouraging me. I was kind of down. I was kind of tired. It had been a long week. And Brady spurred me on. Speaking of prayer, real quick, just listen. Everybody can participate in this. If you are not on the prayer chain... Like if you have not given, given us your email or let us know you want to be on the prayer chain, then I want you to, on your, your attendance sheet today, I want you to circle your email address and I will include you on the list. Right now there's 80 some people on the list, but we need more people praying for the needs of the people in our community. That's just a real simple way you can participate and be on the team and root somebody else on by praying for them. Does that make sense? Put your email address legibly. Because if it's not legibly, we'll put it in wrong and it won't work. And uh, we'll put you on the prayer chain if you want to be a part of praying for the people in our community. Serve together. That's another way we can spur one another on. Man, yesterday watching the people from our church come and serve together, like there was just joy in giving to other people. That's because that's, the reason, that's, what God, that's how God's wired us, is to give back and to help others. Study together. Look for an opportunity to get involved in some type of a small group where other people are studying God's word together. That spurs you on. That, that sharpens swords. It makes you uh, more prepared to deal with the stuff of this life. And then, uh, Trish, reach in my backpack right there. Reach in the middle pocket. Pull that out real quick. The, the middle one. There we go. Yeah, pull that out. Uh, here's another way to spur someone, somebody else on. Drop off fudge-covered Oreos at my porch, unannounced. 
I don't know who did that. <laughs> What's to say that you're, you're, uh, you, you guys bring us joy? You bring our family joy. You don't think that spurs a brother on? Now, if those would have been mint Oreo cookies, I wouldn't have liked you anymore because I do not like anything mint. Just put that on the record right now. I would have given them to my wife. But fudge-covered Oreos, we're best friends from now on, whoever you are. Next thing, who can we cheer on? We can cheer on our spouse and our children. It seems a bit like a no-brainer, right, that I would say that. But there are times that the people that are the closest to you are the ones that are most neglected. Married couples, listen to this. This is for you. Invest in your relationship. It is important because that relationship is the most important relationship in your home. Now your kids, they're hedonistic little suckers, right? They will try to steal that. They will. You can't let them. Your marriage is the most important relationship at home. Husbands, seek the Lord to become the man that he is calling you to be. Ladies, seek the Lord to become the woman that he is calling you to be. Not he your husband, he your father in heaven. Single folk, if you're in the room, focus your time and affections not on looking for the one, but looking to the one. Focus your affections on Jesus. I think single people have a unique place in the church and in this culture. God wants you to use your availability to impact the world. He's rooting for you, not only for you to find the one, but to discover the calling that he has for your life right now. So avail yourself to him with your abilities to make an impact. You have something that we don't have as married couples. You have a chance and an opportunity and time to do that. Don't get hung up on, oh, well, i got to have this human being in my life to make me complete. No, you don't. You need Jesus to make you complete. And when the time is right, he'll bring you that person. If you have kids, love them. Root for them. But don't make them your idol. You've heard me say this before. Kids are terrible gods. They are. They will take everything from you and give nothing back. That's why I'm not sharing my fudge Oreo cookies. Powell, don't even think about it over there. If you have chocolate on your face after it's over, we'll have a talk, all right? Your children should not be sitting on the throne in your home. They do. They take up all of our time and all of our resources. Jesus should sit on the throne in your home. Nobody's going to give me an amen about that? I mean, but it's so true, and it's so easy to get wrapped up in what it is that they're doing. I know. I've, ha- I've got five. Raise them to follow the two greatest commandments. Model for them what it looks like to love God and love others. Kids, you listening to me? Kids, raise your hand. If you're a kid, that means, like, you're still in high school. You're a kid, all right? Raise your hand. Maddie, raise your hand. I'm going to point you out. I'm going to make you come up here if you don't raise your hand. there's a commandment in God's word that comes with a promise. Honor your parents, for this is right, it says. Root for your parents. Cheer your parents on so you can do this. Don't roll your eyes at them. I mean, unless your dad tells a stupid joke, then you can roll your eyes at him. But do you hear me? Cheer your parents on. They're your best friends. These people love you more than anything. Yesterday, I see these kids coming through, and some kids were just really unappreciative of what their parents were doing for them. Don't be that kid. Look at your parents and say, thank you. 
Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me a home to live. Thank you for letting me breathe today. Cheer for them as they go off to work. Cheer for them as they take care of business at home. Just cheer for them. If you feel like you have failed in these areas, this is a caveat for you. If you feel like you've failed in these areas, repent and start over today. What are you waiting for? Others, all right, we've got to move on. Let's cheer for others. The people that you meet when you're walking down the street, they're the people that you meet each day. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? The people that you meet when you're walking. Sesame Street. Didn't you people watch Sesame Street? <laughs> These are the people in your neighborhood. You're like, oh, yes. The people that you meet when you're walking down the street, they're the others. They're the crowd. They could be divine appointments or just random interactions. I don't know. could be both. Jesus says, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. They're the others. They're the people that are hurting, that are sick, that are helpless. We look out and reach out to them. Speaking of others, let me tell you a quick story. I've got, I know we're running close on time. Game doesn't start till 3, ha, so we can be here as long as we want. All right? Let me just tell you a quick story. So uh, we were at the uh, El Maguey or Maguey or Maguey or however you want to say I say El Maguey. If any Spanish people in here, maybe you can tell me how that's supposed to be said. But we're there. And uh, two of my children that were in the room, two of the four that were in the room, at just the same time had the same idea, and they collaborated on blessing this older gentleman that was sitting by himself eating alone. They went together and paid for his meal. I'm not patting my kids on the back, but I'm telling you, that's one way that you can love others. They actually listened to my sermon on Sunday. Yes. Yeah, amen. We should clap for that. That's right. And not only did they listen, they actually did it. They put it into practice. It's amazing. What are you waiting for? Walk out of here and do it. Just do it. The last thing, this is the one that that might really challenge you. Cheer for your enemies. Yes, I even love Josh, though he's a fan. <laughs> Can't even say it. <laughs> You've heard that it said, this is in Matthew chapter 5, okay? Matthew chapter 5, if you, you're playing along here out in the crowd. Starting at verse 43 through 48, Jesus is it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the greatest, greatest discourses, greatest teachings of Jesus. He's having this, this lecture, this time of teaching. It was like an extended uh, worship time with all these people. He's sitting up on this, this little hill and he's teaching. And, it, he, and he says this about enemies. He said, You have heard that it, is, it was said, You shall love your neighbor like your fellow man, your the other, the people around you, the people that you meet when you're walking down the street, right? People in your neighborhood. You should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And we're like, yes, that makes sense. I'm down with that, man. Love my neighbor, hate my enemy. I can do that. Matter of fact, I'm really pretty good at it. I can do it well. But that's not the end. But I say to you, agape your enemies. Love them. Pray for those who persecute you. Cheer on your enemies. 
Really? How is that even possible? Do you understand what they have done to me, Brady? Do you know what they said to me? Oh, I might not have heard what they said to you, but I know what people have said to me. (laughs) I know what people have said about me. And last night, Brady and I were praying about this one individual that just blew me up last week. You know, last week we had people standing door at the door waiting to see if this man was going to show up because of the, the threats he made to me. The false accusations. But you know what? You know what Jesus says? I'm supposed to love that man and cheer him on so that he will be well and healthy and free of this addiction that he's struggling with, the sickness that he has. That's who Jesus wants me to be. It says, to love like that is unselfishly to seek the best or the higher good for that individual. And it has nothing to do, ladies and gentlemen, with your feelings. It's not about how you feel about the other person. It's about the choice that you make to love them because it is the right thing to do. So that you may, listen to this, so that you may show yourselves to be children of the Father who is in heaven. How are people going to know that you're different and unique and set apart in this world? It's because you love those people like that. You root for your enemies. You cheer for them to get well. For he makes his son, the sun like the sunshine to rise on those who are evil and those who are good and makes the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? Tax collectors get a bad rap in Scripture, don't they? And if you greet only your brothers, wishing them God's blessing and peace, other people do that. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to be a nice person. You don't. Anybody can be nice. It says, don't even the Gentiles who do not know the Lord do this? But listen to these words, and we're going to finish with this. Worship team, you guys can come on up if you want. He says in the last part of this passage of Scripture, in verse 48 in Matthew chapter 5, when you love the way he's telling you to love, when you choose that kind of love and how to just let go and to, to forgive and to cheer those people on that have hurt you, here is the result. When you do this, you therefore will be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now don't get, don't get hung up on the word perfect because we are in pursuit of perfection, of perfection, but we will never get there this side of heaven. But it is something that you should long for and strive for and root for in your life. It says, you therefore will be perfect, growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life. Then you'll become like your Father in heaven. When and only when you choose to love like that. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Love each other, love each other well, 
outdo one another in this church. I don't care what people think about the Calling Community Church, only if they hear, man, those people love each other. They will do anything for one another. They're like living out this biblical mandate to love like Jesus loved. Is that who you are? Is that who you want to be? Are we, are we rooting for one another like that? If, you, if we're not, then you got to go find another team to be on because that's who we want to be. Love like that. I will do my best to love you that way. I'll root for you. Will you root for me? Will you cheer me on if I cheer you on? You know, I'll cheer you on whether you cheer me on or not because that's just the way it's supposed to be. The Bible says that Jesus demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet thumbing our nose at him and turning our back and rooting for the other team, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Will you die for him? Will you die for them? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for demonstrating your love. Thank you for not just saying you love us, but showing you love us by sending Jesus to the earth. Jesus, thank you for modeling what it looks like to love others well, to love our family well, to love our enemies well. Would we be encouraged today? Would we be challenged today to go out, to root for others the way you root for us? Father, I love in your word it says that we are more than conquerors because of Christ Jesus living in us. We're more the victory is already ours. The team, our team's already won. Therefore, we should cheer even louder because of that fact. God, I pray right now for those who don't know Jesus in this room that have never surrendered their life to him. I pray that they would put on your garment, put on your, your, your colors, Lord, today. Would they be identified as one who is a follower of Jesus today by putting their faith and trust in Jesus today? If that's you, Call out to him today. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And you will be saved. We ask for that. In the name of Jesus, amen.